Age to Practice, applying educational reading in the classroom. Join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. From Page to Practice is a podcast focusing on the application of educational reading in the classroom. Each episode features one book or article, my reflections and the thoughts of my guests on its use and impact in the classroom. Some episodes may also feature an introduction from the author. Hi and welcome to Series 3, Episode 4 of From Page to Practice. Today we are looking at Habits of Success by Harry Fletcher Wood. Unfortunately, I think the end of the first half term has hit us rather hard and I only have a couple of reader contributions to bring to you today. Let's start by hearing from the author himself. Hi, I'm Harry Fletcherwood and I'm the author of Habits of Success, Getting Every Student Learning. I guess all of us at times have struggled to to get every student learning, to um, encourage students to give something a go when they felt they weren't up to it, to help students keep going when they were struggling, to um, get students started who didn't necessarily want to be there, and to maintain the kind of um, calm, orderly, supportive culture, you know, whatever adjectives you're after for your culture in the classroom. And in many ways, the the book grows out of that. It's a universal. Um, Lucy Crayon uh, visited a load of top performing uh, educational countries um, a few years ago and ha- has a really interesting line to say in every country she went to she saw some lessons where at least some students weren't focused weren't learning and this is the Finlands the Shanghai's you know you name it and um, wherever we go um, not every student is going to want to be in every classroom every single lesson and so the book is is an attempt to answer well okay great what do we do about that and I describe early on, you know, starting off with a kind of uh, beautiful but naive belief that I was going to persuade every student that history mattered and it was worth their effort and, you know, they should just give it their all. Um, and that worked for some students, but but clearly not for all of them. And then I sort of, you know, progressed through, tried using sanctions, um, tried motivating students and so on. But there were a couple of... Um, things, disciplines, if you like, that I came across, uh, which really helped me to see the classroom and my own actions in a, in a different way. One of them, well, the first was, was sort of just getting into some of the kind of the, what you might call the nudge elements of behavioral science. And it was simple things like, you know, just thinking about, um, instead of asking students, well, people are more likely to do something if you break it down for them. So instead of saying, you know, answer these 53 questions, ask a student to answer two questions and then come back and say, okay, let's do two more. Um, just because the task looks smaller and, and kind of easier to begin. And and tied to that social norms. Uh, so looking at, well, you know, if, if I say to everyone, uh, no one's doing very well today. I'm really disappointed in your progress. That kind of conveys a norm that, you know, we as a class are not making progress and and students don't want to stand out from the norm. They'll probably stick with it once you've conveyed that actually no one's trying very hard. Well, you know, I'm not going to be the one to break break the mould. And so if we instead convey a kind of, you know, lots of us are doing well and things are getting better, assuming that's based on some kind of reality, we can 
frame things very frame the same situation very differently and hopefully get a, a slightly better result. And as I dug, dug into this, and then also particularly while writing the book, dug into the science of habit, I realised that sort of the, the other key piece that I think potentially we, we could do with thinking a little bit more about is habit, is kind of automated response to a situation or a prompt. So, you know, when a student gets stuck, some students will kind of automatically give up and other students will automatically look back in the book or ask the teacher or ask their friend or, you know, whatever. And so the question is, how can we help students to build the kind of habits which will help them to succeed both in the classroom and in later life, whatever we think we want them to go on to. And so the book tries to distill um, a lot of reading and practical experience and trying to sort of pull them together. So, so saying, well, okay, you know, here's a study showing that if you convey a message in such and such a way, students are more likely to do X. And here's how I think that might work for year nine, year four, whoever it is. And I've tried to make it useful also just by just by putting in loads of um, tools to, to, to make it work. So uh, the, there's practical examples from teachers that sort of bookend each section. There are application ideas. There are checklists at the end of the sections of here's things you can do. And a few more ideas at the end, including how you might want to use this for your own, um, for yourself or for your colleagues and so on. And so what I really hope is that uh, teachers who read it see, just see the classroom slightly differently, see it in you, and therefore able to help their, help their students achieve things that they would not otherwise have been able to do. To do. Uh, if you've not read it, uh, now's your chance. And if you have read it, I hope you've enjoyed it. Do let me know. Thanks very much. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Harry. Before we hear from today's two readers, I just wanted to point out what I really like about this book, which is how well it's structured. The chapter maps, summary boxes, key ideas, applications and checklists make it really easy to dip into and easily be able to take something away to apply to your teaching. It makes it ideal for from page to practice, really. When it comes to reader contributions, let's first hear from David. Hello, my name is David Alderson. I am an acting assistant head teacher at All Saints Catholic Voluntary Academy in Mansfield in the East Midlands. Prior to that, within the school, I was a head of English for several years uh, and also a lead practitioner. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Alderson Teach, Alderson with an A, at Mr. Alderson Teach. Um, and I'm talking today about habits of success. Um, the first thing that I want to talk about really is what, what makes my favourite part of this book. And it was very difficult to kind of to narrow this down. I would say as a single resource that I think I found the most useful, it would be page um, 135, where it talks through the kind of the questions and the issues that students might have in making a change. Um and I'll kind of I'll explain the reasons for that page being important in a second. But the, the thing that I love about this book most is during the first lockdown, my coach, um, who trains me for Strongman, um, he told me to read a book uh, called Atomic Habits by James Clear, which I know lots of teachers have read, uh, lots of people. It's a very popular book. Um, but all I, as I was reading it and obviously thinking about the changes that I could make, and this was during the first lockdown, um, 
I was continually thinking about how it was applicable to schools, how it was applicable not just to my life choices and things like that, but also to the choices that I make at work and for students and, and all those different areas. And as I was listening to it, I did continually think about, well, how can we bridge this gap? And I was starting to formulate a bit of a plan for this year um, or, or prior to this book coming out. And when I saw it advertised, I was just so happy because what Harry's been able to produce is such a, a concise but very well articulated idea that put, brings a lot of those ideas together that are in the Atomic Habits book um, that I found so useful, but then putting them into an educational setting just absolutely fantastically. So it's been it's been so useful for that. Um, one of the reasons I was really interested in the first place of just about habit formation was because prior to the very first lockdown, um, I would started my MPQSL and the chosen focus for my MPQSL was going to be on uh, study skills of students and getting them to prepare for exams uh, far more efficiently. Obviously, my data for my MPQSL project was going to be external examinations versus mock data, but with the external exams not happening and all the disruption, I'm still completing something I started two years ago and should be submitting it in around February. But what I've done this year since stepping up to SLT in the last half term of last academic year is I've introduced, along with the deputy head, we've introduced something called uh, independent learning time, which is a period six, essentially, that all all students do um, on a Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. They do it all week, but the Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday is specifically what I'm talking about. Um, And in these sessions, we work on study skills. So from year seven through to 11, on a Tuesday, we have some form of video input, which is um, either a technique or it just talks about kind of some theoretical side to around study skills, memory and how that works or habits. Um, and then on a the rest of the Tuesday session, Wednesday and Thursday, they then practice these techniques and put these things into practice and they start to build these habits. Um, and then on a Thursday, we do little mini tests. Now, I've already seen some element of success with this, but the formation of this um, has very much been influenced by the book because it was the idea of, well, what do we want students to change? We wanted them to change how they were doing homework because as a school, we saw lots of issues with homework completion or incompletion um, and also students constantly saying they didn't know how to revise. We have, as nationally, we have that gender gap. We also have a a gap with pupil premium and non-pupil premium students. And so the formation of independent learning time was to support those students and get them to build good habits whilst being supported by teachers. So what we picked was three techniques um, for this year. So look, say, cover, write, check. The idea being that every single student can use a technique as simple as that with pretty much any information that they've got on knowledge organisers, textbooks, whatever it might be. So that is kind of our way in. And that was the first technique that we did for the first couple of weeks, just talking about that. And then students practicing that on mini whiteboards and then in their homework books. The second technique um, has been retrieval-based, so talking about quiz questions, cued, brain dumps, anything like that, and about how they can be used and what we get from those. And then that also feeds into um, how uh, the resource that I've made for them. So the resource I've made is a booklet from uh, with information from their knowledge organisers, so years 9, 10, and 11, 
have the core subjects of RE, English, Maths and Science, and then Year 7 and 8 have all other subjects not including English, uh, Maths, Science and RE. Um, and the I, and within those booklets, so they've got these bits of knowledge with then example questions with example answers. And then every Thursday, they have a short quiz of around five to six, um, five to eight questions um, that they get tested on. And that's it. And they're not expected to revise it at home. They spend a few minutes at the start of each independent learning time session just doing a bit of practice for that week's quiz. Um and then they just get on with their homework, essentially, and tutors are there to circulate, help them, make sure they're doing the techniques properly and uh, and build habits in that, in that kind of way. But one thing that influenced me uh, from the book was where Harry talked about the kind of the, the motivation for students and the short-term motivation versus long-term goals, etc. Um, and so what I introduced that I hadn't inten- uh, intended to originally was um, a baseline test with all of the questions in the booklet were tested right at the very start before they'd seen them to see what their baseline score was. Then, just before half term, they were tested on this again. They've not been tested on all of the knowledge yet throughout the weeks that we've been back at school, but they did a a midpoint test which had all those same questions on again. Um, And over 90% of the students got an improved score between session one, session two, even though they're not revising for it in a traditional sense or anything like that. Um, but we've had that 90%. And then we will do one just before Christmas as well. And the idea being that we want students to see the impact that these techniques are having so that they can see that actually it is worthwhile, that there is a reason why we're building these habits. Because as part of the first week influenced by the book as well, I started to dispel the myths around the bad habits that they'd formed and why they'd formed those bad habits. And also during the inset day, talking to the teachers, I was speaking about habits, about habit stacking, the where and when we are going to be doing things, uh, very much like Harry talks about. And I referenced and quoted quite a few bits from the book um, within my inset session as well. But with the students, I returned to that idea of building those good habits. But I already had messages from staff talking about the students getting that buy-in now because they can see the impact of what's being done. Um, and the idea around that, and again, that habit stacking, that that coming back to something quite simple, it's about making it really achievable for the students as well so they can see that short-term impact. So the third technique for the year is going to be flashcards because when I did my original MPQSL investigations, it was clear that within our school, flashcards were one of, if not the most popular form of revision, but whether or not they're being done accurately is a different matter. So the idea also of doing the Luxe Coverite check, retrieval of different kinds, and then um, flashcards in particular all of them working together, it will be that idea of just those three things throughout the whole year. And it's just working on doing those three things. Um, for year 11, it, and, and then to add to that, for year 11, the idea was that, um, and I think I stole this from Caroline Spaulding, was the idea of um, don't break the chain. So they were given a sheet of paper uh, that I've done for the last couple of years since seeing this either on Twitter or at Pixel, I can't remember which, Um where students tick off that they've done a bit of revision every day. It starts with a, a 10 minute, there's 10 there's little time segments on the paper, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 hour, two hours, three hours plus. And the students tick off how much revision they've done every day. But the fundamental part, and it's blocked out in grey, is the 10 minute one, and then also the cumulative time. 
because the message that is said to told students about that we shouldn't count down to the exams we should count up the opportunities that we've got left we should count up the amount of opportunities we have taken rather um, and so the students if they do 10 minutes every single day it becomes a habit that they just do something a little bit every single day but also where and when are they going to be doing that homework or that revision or whatever it is as well and again, based on the things that Harry said as kind of a final point, I also applied this to teachers. And the final chapter, the thing I love about the book is step-by-step is step with the chapters makes it very difficult to pick up a best part because it takes you through making real change in schools, making real change for students, but then also for staff. And I think it's such a fundamental part of this book. Um because we, we often, we obviously become so focused on getting the students to make the progress so that they can uh, be successful. And that's obviously what we all want. But at the heart of it, we also need to be doing that for staff. And so the working groups that I've introduced this year will uh, include elements of informal instructional coaching because we don't have an instructional coaching model at the school yet. Um, but using the walkthroughs as a, as a lead in the, the teaching and learning handbook that I've created staff have been told that if they're part of our working group or our research groups that they'll just focus on one area so if they want to just focus on cold calling that will be it and the idea will be that they work on that one thing with lots of classes and just build a habit get into that habit because the thing that i when i made that original crossover between the atomic habits book and starting to think about uh, school was the habits that I've got into over time. So things like asking, just out of reflex, asking the question of, do we all understand, and things like that. And I've used that example with staff. We get into these habits, so we can get into a habit of just wandering around the classroom instead of actually really purposefully moving around and then asking the students the right questions and pushing them in certain ways. We can get into good and bad habits because practice makes permanent. And so the idea of each of these chapters, and particularly that last one, getting staff to think about or students to think about just one or two things that they're going to focus on is such a powerful message because habits take a long time to form. And I think that the way in which um, the way in which Harry's written about it really kind of explains that to people in in such a concise way as to why we struggle to form new habits and why other ones become so difficult to break as well. Um, so it's a fantastic book for people at all levels within schools um, to, to read and to, to work from, but particularly leadership, people with leadership responsibility where you can bring about those changes. And even if people don't have that leadership role, putting this under the nose of people in leadership roles and saying, well, let's do this one thing. It's about often schools do try and do too many things at once and we're all very guilty of it because we want to make those changes for the good of everyone. But what this book really helped me to make my mind upon was what were the things that I was going to focus on and then how was I going to implement them successfully. Um, and so far the results from our independent learning time in particular have been fantastic and long may it continue so thank you very much harry for writing such a uh, such a useful and influential book you're listening to from page to practice join the conversation on twitter using hashtag page practice podcast thank you david a really helpful contribution that's completely in the spirit of from page to practice i hope others will be able to take something away from what you've shared Next up, we have Ross. 
Hi everyone, my name's Ross Robinson. I'm eight years into teaching. I'm a secondary school teacher. I'm a physics specialist. I teach a range of key stage three, four and five. I teach the uh, AQA syllabus. I'm also a member of our school's coaching team, which means that I'm responsible for supporting and developing uh, teaching and learning across the, the whole school. It's a role that, role that I really love and really enjoy, really passionate about reading all sorts of education. And um, this is a new area for me, this concept of behavioural science, but it's one that I was really interested in. Uh, if you'd like to follow me, my Twitter handle is at robo25261. So it's at robo25261, catchy. Um, I was initially led to Habits of Success by reading another behavioural science book, which was called The Power of Habit. It's by Charles Duhigg. Uh, I really recommend that you have a look at that. It's not as focused on education, but there's loads of interesting behavioural science uh, background in there about how we form habits, uh, the concepts of cue, routine and rewards, and it's, it's really interesting. Um, but focusing on, habit, on habits of success, the thing that I really liked about it, I love the flow diagrams, I like the layout of the book, it's really easy to pick up um, and just have a quick 10 minute flick through, um, pick out a couple of things that you might like to try and then, and then pop it down again. It's a really easy book just to pick up and have a, a read through. I thought that was really interesting. And there's a couple of phrases in it that I think sum it up really beautifully. Um, habits are lasting solutions to fundamental challenges. So as, as teachers, we all have lots of fundamental challenges, whether that be behaviour, whether that be homework, whether that be trying to juggle our work-life balance. Um, and actually, if we're developing habits, then that can really help um, help us overcome that. Um, it also comes with the, the pre-cursor uh, or the warning to that, that forming new habits is slow and difficult, so that it is not uh, always an easy path. How do we get and, and use habits to support our learners in our classrooms. Um, Harry comes up with this, uh, it's known as the simplify model in the book, um, which you may well have already talked about. So I'll just go through and, and, and sort of highlight the areas that I found really useful from those, for each of those. So the, sim the S from simplify is, is specify. So specifying what to change. Um, and I think in teaching, it's so complicated there's so many facets to, to classroom teaching that sometimes it can be difficult to actually simplify it down into a single focus uh, and in this book Harry talks about a single priority rather than priorities and I've used this in a couple of ways if you've got a particularly difficult class then it might be looking at simplifying and clarifying something like an entry routine for the class so actually just bullet point that list down um, just first of all, just nail the entry routine. The other area that I uh, am using it with is with trainee teachers. So just giving them a particular single focus. Uh, this is similar to the waterfall method that I think um, Adam Boxer talks about in his in his CPD. So literally giving them one thing every lesson just to focus on, being very very specific about that. The I and the M of simplify stands for inspire and motivate our pupils. So how are we convincing them? that they need to act. Uh, for me, the, the concept of inspiration has always been a really interesting one, and I'm particularly interested in, in how we can support and develop this with low ability groups. Um, and in uh, there was a 2016 study called Even Einstein Struggled, and in that study they gave people texts 
about inspirational people. So, for example, I'm a science teacher, so Einstein or Curie or something like that. Um, and it's talked about not just their successes, but also the difficulties that they had in their lives. Uh, and this is definitely something that I use a lot in my classes now. So I'll talk about Einstein and I'll talk about the difficulties that he had at school and how he skipped classes and actually how he wasn't fabulous and how he did do poorly and he nearly dropped out of school and actually when his father died he believed that Einstein was a complete failure and lots of the children can't believe that like but oh, Einstein completed so much and he achieved so much um, and it's I think it's really heartening for them the fact that look even these people that have achieved fabulous things through their lives have started at a point or have been through points in their lives actually where they've struggled um, and, and that impact for the pupils has been really interesting. It's led to some really interesting discussions about, about motivation and about drive and about how sometimes motivation is slightly fickle, but drive is something that will, will remain there. The P and the L of Simplify um, is talking about how do you actually get students to commit to, to what they're looking at. So for me... Um, this is focused around things like action triggers. So it might be if they're struggling to do their homework. So action triggers triggers might be uh, in the forms of something like an if-then statement or a when-then statement. So uh, when I've played 10 minutes of computer, then I'm going to do my homework. And it's actually getting students to write that in their planner. Not just saying, this is your homework, off you go, but actually saying to the students, when are you going to do it? Oh, I'm going to do it when I get home. Okay, so but what are you going to do when you get home? And if it's students that are struggling to complete it, it's actually being very, very um, clear about that with them. It's setting their own action triggers by actually physically setting alarms on their phones or writing it in their planners. Um, there's lots of interesting things that you can talk about here. Um, so I think that it's, it's really important that we encourage pupils to engage in mindfulness, to be aware of what is actually driving their unconscious behaviour when they're not doing their homework at home, yes, probably because they, they would rather be playing computer games. So how can we provide an action trigger for them that would support that? Uh, I've also been looking at this with the end of topic tests that we do. So at the end of each chapter, so it's probably five to seven lessons, I suppose. Um, at the end of the end of topic test, I do a whole class feedback. And on that whole class feedback sheet, there's uh, a, uh, a link which, or a, a question for them to answer which is very, very simple in terms of how well did you revise and what are you going to do differently for the next chapter. Uh, and that seems really simple, but I think as anything, it's how well it's used and it's trying to really make a big deal about this to develop the metacognition, to develop them being reflective learners. Uh, and in the book, Harry talks about these temporal landmarks. Uh, a temporal landmark would be something like, a, it's basically a fresh start. And the next chapter is a fresh start. So yes, you may not have done particularly well this chapter, what are we going to change? And actually getting them to stick that in their book to commit to it. So that's the planning, uh, another aspect of the planning strand from the Simplify model. Uh, the uh, next I of the Simplify model is stands for Initiate Action. So how are we actually going to help students get started? And for this, this is developing their self-efficacy. So there's a couple of things that I really like about that uh, that are mentioned in the book and that I've heard Harry talk about previously. The first is uh, another book that I'm reading, which is uh, David Goggins. Uh, David Goggins is this sort of crazy, extreme Navy SEAL uh, chap who came from a very, uh, very stressful, 
horrible background and he's gone on to achieve amazing things so running 200 mile races holding the world pull-up record and he comes across this idea of a cookie jar this keeping this mental note of your successes because he will say you know that there are always times in life where we go through struggling things or times of hardship and actually this idea about having this cookie jar he calls it of the mental successes and you store those and when the time's difficult it reminds you of your capacity for greatness and reminds you of your capacity that you've done uh, you've overcome similar things before so this is something that you can do uh, so for uh, again for my well for all my classes not just lowability classes but it might be the, the the example of we've done something just like this last lesson or actually yes this is going to be difficult but when we master this we will know more than most adults know about this topic so this is going to be really great we're going to do some great stuff today the second idea is making starting easy so this might be and this is absolutely something that i've taken from the book and i've used is when i'm planning homework tasks is that is the first couple of questions would be identical to the ones we've done in class so absolutely identical we're just literally from a physics perspective we're just changing numbers we're not doing anything else than that there's lots and lots of um sense of well i, I just i just can't do it um, and actually I might get them to, to actually do a couple of those homework questions which are, you know, obviously I plan for them to do in class so they're not officially homework but um, just to get them started go look we've, we've made a start of the homework already so you're just going to finish it off when you get home and, and that making students and supporting students in, in making that sort of change makes a big difference um, it also in terms of if they're getting started with a particular task it might be really clear modelling so this really, con- this really clear concept of um, I U E modelling, so the, the, the I using my visualizer, using lots of works examples, using fading scaffolding, things like that, that that are very clear that enable the students, the students, the students to uh, to just make it easy for them to start. The last F um, from simplify. There's no why, but it's just added on. The, the last uh, letter for Simplify stands for follow-up, so ensuring students are, uh, are keeping going. Um, and this is something that I've really focused on for homework. So trying to develop this concept of a culture of compliance, um, highlighting positive social norms. So praising this completed work, praising, uh, if we're using something like Seneca, those that are getting 100%, look at all these students that are getting 100%, really bigging that up. Um, not making a big public display about those that aren't doing the homework, but obviously um, I'm talking to those and discussing that in private with them. So I think that th- those are the the main areas that I've used that Simplify model for. I think that's been, a, a, for me, that's one of the best things about the book. And each chapter is broken down into one of the different letters. And for me, the book is... Uh, absolutely made me reflect on my practice as a, as a practitioner more so. I think that this is a very unusual book in education. It's different to anything that I've read before. Um, it's, it's certainly furthered my interest in how we can affect change in our behaviour and the behaviour of our pupils because a really interesting thing is that, of course, this would work for us as much as it would for the pupils. So whether we're looking at our own individual teaching, whether we're looking at CPD, then this, this simplified model is, is really applicable in a number of different areas. Um, something that I've moved on to look at is uh, the book High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard. 
which takes these concepts and applies it very specifically to high-performance individuals from a range of different fields. So I'm, I'll be looking at how we can take that and use that in the classroom as well. But I hope that was useful. Uh, like I said, I'm always happy to have conversations about that or if you've got ideas that you'd like to share, I'd, be, I'd love to hear from you. My Twitter is at Robbo25261. Thanks very much. You're listening to From Page to Practice. Join the conversation on Twitter using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Thank you, Ross. I really appreciate what you shared about how you've applied this book to your practice, how you refer to your own examples or reflect on what certain parts of the book meant to you, or the things you'd like to know more about is exactly the kind of contribution from page to practice should be full of. Thanks again. So that's actually it for today, but I've got the next five episodes lined up so we can get reader contributions in nice and early. Please let me know if you can contribute to any of the following. Education Exposed 2 by Sam Strickland, The Metacognition Handbook by Jennifer Webb, Teach to the Top by Megan Mansworth, Retrieval Practice 2 by Kate Jones, and Irresistible Learning by Graham Chisnell. Today's contributions have expertly modelled what we like to hear from readers, although shorter recordings are absolutely fine too. If you're enjoying From Page to Practice, I really appreciate you sharing with colleagues, posting reviews so others find us, or by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash fptppod to, well, buy me a coffee. (laughs) The next episode will come in two weeks and will be on Sam Strickland's Education Exposed 2. Bye for now. You've been listening to From Page to Practice. Don't forget to join in the conversation using hashtag PagePracticePodcast. Alternatively, to suggest a book or article or volunteer to contribute to an episode, visit learninglinguist.co.uk forward slash PagePracticePodcast. Thanks go to Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com for use of the tracks Cheery Monday and Fuzzball Parade, which are licensed under Creative Commons.